Mm. You're, you're eating chocolate on the mic. I came down to the basement here with a big bowl of popcorn with the full intent of eating a huge amount of popcorn directly <laughs> into the mic. And the only thing that prevented that was us starting a little bit later than I anticipated. Oh, I was shit. so looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, man. I guess I'm just going to have to be the bad boy. <laughs> Cameron bad DeWitt, boy the bad boy of podcasting. That's me. All right, let's, let's start the... Uh, hello hello welcome to think outside the box set hi (laughs) oh oh hi i didn't see you come in there oh what's your name (laughs) we were just gonna have a little chat about fishbone you know the ska band you know the ska band yeah we were just gonna have a coy little chat about uh some music yeah. Won't You're you join us? Don't don't talk. <laughs> yeah. It's just us, but you can yeah. listen. <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't listen to you, I don't think, if if you do talk at us. Uh Well, why why are we doing that, Nathan? Why are we talking about Fishbone? Fishbone? Uh mm-hmm. cuz that's the band uh, musician that we chose to talk about. Yeah, but and Bob's your uncle. We, why are we doing that <laughs> instead of just something entirely different? Oh, that's a good question. What would you rather be doing right now? <laughs> Why any of this? I'm having an existential crisis. Uh, I think I'd rather be eating an, another bowl of popcorn directly into this microphone, but I didn't have time to go make another bowl of popcorn. And I, I missed the, the short time window in which I could be loudly eating popcorn directly into a microphone that goes out to all our listeners' ears. That's yeah, what the show should be from now on. Sometimes children push boundaries um, <laughs> because they need to know that the boundaries are there and that they're that they're safe. Because if the boundaries aren't there and they aren't enforced, then um, they, that's actually a really threatening thing. And I feel like maybe that's what you're doing with our listeners <laughs> <laughs> by even thinking that you should be eating popcorn. Yeah, uh, certainly also a statement that has no relevance or resonance whatsoever with our political situation at all. Um, yeah, so I think what you're trying to make me say is, uh, this is a show about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. Did I get it right? Yeah, and who the hell are you? Who do you think you are? Oh, I, I just think I'm like some guy. I'm not, oh, I'm not important. You don't have, no, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm just, I'm a nobody. Don't worry Nathan, about it. no. Oh, you said oh, my name. You're the best. Say my name, say my name. Yeah, my name's Nathan Hunt, and that guy over there is actually I'm I'm right here. Oh, the other the other one is <laughs> what what's his name? I'm Cameron. I mean, your DeWitt. name? Yeah. This is season sixteen of Think Outside the Box Set. This is sixteen. About, wow. Yeah, sixteen seasons. We've been doing this for a minute now. We talked yeah. about all sorts of artists across all sorts of genres. Garth Brooks, ICP, Lannis Morissette. We talked about ABBA. We talked about Slayer. And uh, we wanted to talk about ska music. Not We already did talk about ska music a little bit because we covered Bob Marley. And yeah. his first album is a ska album. You're, you're aware you that this interject? isn't the first episode of this season, right? Yeah, I am aware. Okay. It's, it's I guess sounded like you're setting up the whole thing. Like... <laughs> Let's let's just do every episode as if it's the first episode. Let's just do like 20 minutes of housekeeping every every time. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a reminder, we wanted to talk about ska and this uh, this uh, this album is kind of barely ska. There's like two or three ska songs in the whole yeah. thing, but a lot of it's like 
funk and rock and other genres. I'm curious to see how much ska there will be in the future in this discography. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's um there's a song on here that sounds like pretty much Huey Lewis in the news. Mm-hmm. Um there's yeah, there's a lot of like kind of hard rock. Uh there's some interesting stuff on Wikipedia about this album's this album singular. Uh it says about this um jones was beginning to experiment with heavy rock guitar work which was influencing fishbone's new material um yeah so it's like i guess he's experimenting with uh doing hard rock crunchy guitar yeah there's a little bit of crunch in here some crunch very taste tasteful amount yeah that's kendall jones uh is the jones in question there uh also in terms of subject matter um it says uh (laughs) that the guitarist Kendall Jones was becoming concerned that the band's image was quote cartoonish and reviews of their previous album had in fact criticized the attempt at socially conscious subject matter alongside other absurd frat rock songs. Yeah. There's not really any incel stuff in this. And there was definitely in the first album, at least two or three songs that were like kind of cringy about how they couldn't get dates and women were untrustworthy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, about their chicken phases and things like that. And this this album's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. A lot of socially conscious stuff. That being said, it a lot of the delivery is, is still very silly and strange to me and to my paradigms. But um, the content is serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're de- yeah, they're definitely, like, trying to project a more grown-up vibe. Um, they're not just goofing around as much as they were on the... Um, the first album um they start off with a cover of a curtis mayfield song actually too did you catch that uh, yeah a former um subject of the show yes we just for a palate cleanser yeah just for a palate cleanser we we did talk about a curtis mayfield album uh, which did not feature this song um 41 minutes 1988 those are the vital details of this um yeah let's jump in Let's, let's jump talk in. about songs. Yeah, let's, let's talk about songs. Freddy's dead. This is like Dare the song. Yeah. (laughs) Just say no to drugs, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The sound, it sounds like King's X. I I mean, it sounds like something off of um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. Uh Like King's X or Winger, like one of those bands. Uh, Like the guitar work. A lot of pinch harmonics. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I have a sound sample of the original from uh, Curtis Mayfield, if you want to listen to that. Oh, yeah, please. I've always loved funk songs that have flutes in them. Sound really yeah, fun. Flutes synth strings and fucking bongos you gotta have them they sound so cool Mm. they're the best they do they're so great (laughs) also yeah curtis mayfield's 
It's actually really nice to hear Fishbone cover Curtis Mayfield because you could still, I mean, at points it, it almost felt like they were trying to sing like him, but for a lot of it, they're not, but you can still hear, it's like, that's a, that's a Curtis melody, you know, or that's a Curtis rhyme scheme. He has such a, such an iconic way of writing uh, lyrics and melodies. And mm-hmm. you could, it just, even though <laughs> obviously the timbres there are very different than the original, um, it just still sounds like the, yeah, you can just hear it. So it's got that Curtis flavor to it. Yeah. Um, the, the quick rhymes, um, you know, instead of like A, B, A, B, uh, like, internal rhymes for each line like really fast half like uh double time couplets you know yeah and um another junky plan pushing dope for the man a terrible blow but that's how it goes freddy's on the corner now yeah and then he it's it's so far like i don't i still don't understand like how you can have such iconic distinctive melodies that sound like curtis mayfield even when someone else is singing them but they're still it's all just one scale like he's, I think the entire time he's just singing a, a major pentatonic scale or a minor pentatonic scale. Um, and, uh, you know, it's five notes, but you can do so much with that, especially with the rhythm of the singing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This was, oh, we should point out that this is the, uh, the theme from the movie Superfly also. I've never seen it. Is I have. It a, is it a black exploitation film? I believe it's called that. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, that's what Wikipedia calls it: black exploitation. Um, Gordon Parks Jr. Yeah, I my understanding is that that film was sort of Curtis Mayfield's bridge from what? What is this other group? The the impressions. Uh, impressions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to his solo career, um, I don't know if that's true. That's the impression that I'm under. Um, I think that's like, right. Yeah, I mean, like the impressions was like more like doo-wop soul earlier, like stacked up harmonies, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And this sound is like, I mean, it just sounds like the black exploitation genre. Mm-hmm. It's very seventies. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wonder why do you think Fishbone decided to cover this song? Um, I think they might just be borrowing some social commentary, maybe. Um, cause this is, it's, it's a, a song about the issues. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't think, I don't really appreciate its perspective on the issues that much. Um, they're not especially edifying. No. Um, yeah, everybody's yeah, like, misused uh, him, ripped him off and abused him. Another junkie plan pushing dope for the man. So it, it, it I don't know. It, it stops short of just like victim blaming, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, uh, I'd be curious to see what the movie is about. I haven't seen that many, you know, uh, exploitation films in general, um, Mm -hmm. so I'm not super familiar with them. But my understanding is that they're not necessarily trying to to be very woke um, Mm -hmm. or to be edifying to their characters, that they're intentionally pulpy um, and, you know, uh, they're not necessarily endorsing all of the things that they're depicting. Right. There's apparently a so. character in the movie named Fat Freddy, who is one of... Uh, so the main character is named Youngblood Priest, who is a drug dealer. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> one day, Priest confronts Fat Freddy, one of his dealers, about money that Freddy owes and threatens to force Freddy's wife into prostitution unless he robs a competitor. Although the timid Freddy abhors violence, he agrees and accompanies another member of Priest's family, quote-unquote, of lower-level lo- dealers to commit the robbery. Um, apparently, there is a uh, character also named Eddie. Now, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's just sloppy. That's sloppy. <laughs> That's and just then obtuse. <laughs> oh, and then um, Freddy is picked up and beaten by the police, and he tries to escape, and he uh, is run over by a car. Not sure if the police oh did my it. Oh, God. Yeah, so I guess Freddy is dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Maybe maybe it makes more sense and is more empathic in the context of, of, the, of the film, but by itself, it's just sort of... Uh, yeah, it's hard to say what the... <laughs> song is about or right yeah what it's trying to say um you know there's there's this quatrain we're all built up with progress but sometimes i must confess you can deal with rockets and dreams but reality what does it mean i feel like that's the more like zoomed out statement and i don't exactly know what it means but i feel like the we're all built up with progress is something to focus on there. Yeah. I mean, you could interpret it if you wanted to as a a statement about how much like technological progress, quote unquote, the United States had made by that point. Um, 1972 is when the film came out. Uh, So it's after the space race, for instance, we landed a a person on the moon. Whitey's on the moon. Yeah. Whitey's on the moon. Exactly. Um, Yeah. But it's still like, that quote unquote progress didn't actually fix things, you know, I guess, I guess you could read it that way. Right. Uh, I, I was sort of wondering if it was about progress in the black American at large community, Oh, Um, uh because later on it says, why can't we brothers protect one another? No one's serious. And it makes me furious. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess maybe, like, I, I was wondering if this song is sort of about how obstacles in a community can often be internal as well, um, whether it's internalized racism or just lack of resources. And, um, like, it's hard for people to have a community mindset when um, it, it it's tempting for it to be every, every person for themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of wondered if if it was about that too, or maybe it's both. I don't know. I mean, they say rockets there, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a red herring or what, but yeah. Um, in general, this song doesn't it. It doesn't seem to be about larger systemic issues. It seems to be about it, it's like a call in calls coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas a lot of the other songs in this album that we'll get to are kind of loftier and like more philosophical mm-hmm. and vaguer. Um, so, which I, I'm not necessarily as into. I kind of like this song more because of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. It feels more like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels more, uh, I in general, I just don't especially like philosophical like vagaries yeah about like the system man we live in a society you know (laughs) like that kind of thing and there's a fair amount of that in this album yeah i i agree uh okay i have some sound samples before we move on um 
uh, do you want to play the one that says he 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 whoa god i do want to play that fucking there it is (laughs) 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 well god y'all uh it kind of reminds me of that uh, we're gonna go to Pittsburgh or whatever, like um, the Dean scream or whatever. Is that? Oh, uh, what's his face? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that scream. <laughs> um, I don't have anything musical to say about that. I just thought it was weird and funny. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of like weird vocal choices and gang vocal choices, like in in uh, this album. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, speaking of vocal choices, there's like a synth voice sample that's in a section of the song. It's kind of bizarre, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. You yeah. play that. Yeah, that is interesting. Hmm. Uh, and then, um, there is one moment where, where the singer really just does sound like Curtis Mayfield. Um, it's the... The breaking, the the close to the mic singing, the breaking point between falsetto and full voice, um, and uh, the sort of uh, sing songy talk singing kind of delivery, um, yeah, mm. I thought it was mm-hmm. wor- worth highlighting. All I want is some peace of mind with a little love. I'm trying to find this could be such a beautiful world with a wonderful girl. Yeah, that, that is so beat. so Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, there's something that happens. Um, so for people who are unfamiliar with uh, the what a falsetto is, my understanding is that um, is that AFAB and AMAB assigned female and male at birth, like both, like all all sorts. Everyone can do it, but it. If you are um, an assigned male at birth person, uh, it it ha- and you have like more vocal cords and it's like more to work with, um, like you can sing deeper. But basically, my understanding is that you're you're doing a harmonic, like on like on a like I have my banjo here, and if I um, if I go like so, here's a an A. And then I'm going to um, put my finger on the string uh, uh, halfway down the string. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the first harmonic because the string naturally um, vibrates um, in half and then at, along infinite nodes along the string. And so it makes it an octave higher. And you're hearing both sides of the string vibrating at an octave. My understanding is that that is physiologically what's going on when people sing in falsetto. Um, hmm. Is that you're essentially creating um, creating a harmonic with your own voice, and it's like easier to do if you have um, male vocal cords because if you have the lower you can sing, the sort of stronger falsetto you can throw out there um my understanding is i don't think it's quite as simple as that but my understanding is that women um have uh uh it's kind of more of a blurred line about when they're in falsetto or not but anyway when you're there's this breaking point between your full voice and your falsetto voice and then there's this overlap and when you're singing you have to decide when you're going to sing full voice and when you're going to sing 
um, in your falsetto, the harmonic version of it. And it's difficult to sing back and forth between those um, and in that range to decide which kind of register you're going to sing in, um, even if you're singing the same note. And there are a lot of um, timbrely interesting things that can happen when you uh, lean into the differences um, between the two kind of instruments at your disposal as a singer. Um, for instance, yodeling, that's what kind of what yodeling is, is you're, you're making a sort of rhythmic musical um, statement out of the break between your full voice and your falsetto voice. Um, but what Curtis Mayfield is doing is he's staying all in one kind of register, but he's just sort of hopping around where his falsetto is. And you hear these like little, the lower your falsetto gets, uh, the kind of weaker it gets and raspier it gets. Um, and he sings in that register, like almost all the time, he's <laughs> kind of constantly slipping back into his, into his full voice. Um, so let's listen to that clip again, but yeah. I think it's at the end of his like first line, he says something tried to find. And there's this like little rasp where he like goes up into the falsetto and he's kind of going back and forth. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a balloon letting out air in a in a good way. I think. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's kind of what it is, you know. It's coming up here. Oh, that that was just the general sound sample, huh? Oh, did you? Oh, you wanted the um, the one of uh, Fishbone. Oh, oh, my bad. No, can, yeah, can can you do um the Curtis impression? Yeah, yeah, okay, that one. Yeah, because he's singing in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All I want is some peace of mind with a little love. I'm trying to find this could be such a trying to find world. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously he's working with a different vocal instrument there, but um, yeah, yeah, um, he's he's flirting with that that sort of liminal space between falsetto and full voice, mm-hmm. and it's 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 like it. I think it's a really beautiful thing, and it's like a thing that you can only really do in like small settings or in, with microphone singing. Um, yeah, because yeah. it it's probably not you're probably not getting a ton of volume doing that kind of thing, huh? Yeah, like um speaking of balloons, uh <laughs> I had this like um <laughs> uh I had this uh friend who like taught me a lot of like studio kind of stuff. Um his name's Joseph and he he's actually the person who first told me about Fishbone cuz he's way into like this era of of funk bands, funk rock mm, bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um but he was he was saying that in uh ACDC, you know, the lead singer of ACDC, like if you were to hear him without a microphone, it's, it would just sound ridiculous and mm. it would sound very quiet. Um, but what he's doing is he has a, like a highly compressed microphone and he's right up in it and he's just going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but when it's like, you know, when the power is put electronically through it, it's uh, it sounds incredible, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, there's all these different kinds of singing that don't, really makes i mean beatboxing is is kind of like the same way like it's hard f- for someone to beatbox i it, it seems like it is like without a microphone exactly right up against your 
against your mouth. Right. So. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of acoustic beatboxing personally. Um, yeah, there are people who can do it, but it's like a different skill. Yeah, and it's sounds different, you know. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, we should we should move on. Yeah. You want to talk about Ma and Pa? Yeah, we definitely should. Is this the most ska song on the album, do you think? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I love that chorus. Hey, Mom, Pa, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. It's a <laughs> very it's good question. It's a lovely chorus. Yep. <laughs> I like that this is a song about a topic that I don't think gets sung about. Anytime that happens, it's like, oh, yeah, they wrote a, they decided to write a song about this. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I always get kind of excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, great idea. <laughs> and what's this one <laughs> about? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's about, uh, like a messy divorce with a child custody fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done this, but I've been around it and I've been in, in courtrooms where this stuff is happening and it fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's absolutely worth writing a song about. And I think it's really interesting. The high energy ska delivery with this, like very dark, upsetting topic. Yeah. Cause it, I also enjoy that kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. I mean, I like American folk music and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all upbeat murder ballads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The it's, it definitely seems to go pretty bad. This divorce. There once was a ma that wanted, these are the opening lines. There once was a ma that wanted her. There once was a pa that wanted her. I know she's confused. She's my blood sister. She told me the blues is she start to shiver. Only a child in the middle of a war. She's a problem child now because of a divorce. Um, and then this, the second verse says, well, there's a lot of money for all the attorneys. It's not just a fight for child custody because Ma and Pa's revenge is making little sister bleed, fussing and fighting through a family life, making her want to take drugs and be out of line. Um, I I think it edges. I don't know. This, this is 1988 and there's a lot of like moral panic uh, right. in this time, the, you know, the Reagan and Bush years. Um and there's a lot of moral panic specifically about divorce and children of divorce. Um, so I think one could make the interpretation that they are, that Fishbone, the band, is um, sort of piling on that kind of right. moral panic about, like, this is what happens when anyone gets a divorce. Uh, right. <laughs> bad stuff happens to kids. Um this is what happens when women make enough uh, money to be financially independent and can finally <laughs> divorce their bad, abusive husbands. <laughs> the horror. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just very sensitive to that, having grown up around a lot of that kind of stuff. But um, Yep. Me too. Yeah. I think, I feel like, say I, f- <laughs> I feel like in the chorus saying, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Almost like instantly... Uh, takes it out of the realm of like Tipper Gore moralizing and into just like common sense. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it is a really interesting, <laughs> it, it is an interesting like conundrum because d- the decisions about 
who gets to have control of a child um, are so kind of, I don't know, like primal and so like, and so like sort of natural and like, I don't know, they're just, they go so deep and it's, it's, it makes sense that you have to like, you know, have a judge make these decisions, have a third party make the decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just like, I don't know. I kind of, I get it. Like why people, why it spirals so much. And um, I feel like without some sort of system like this, uh, you know, the, these decisions would be made in even, even less healthy ways. Right. Um, You know, and it's like, I, I agree with the idea of like, there are people who are being like petty and toxic about it, but also, but also it's like, um, what are you supposed to do? Just roll over and let someone have complete control over your kid, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, uh, have you seen marriage story with Adam I, driver and Scarlett Johansson? I have not. Um, have you? Yeah. I think it's fucking great. Mm. Um, I think it really, it's one of the best depictions of, um, of dysfunction in a relationship um, that's about like two people's inability to really get together to communicate um, and mm-hmm. to, to build consent with each other um, and how kids can kind of get in the middle of that. And, um, and, and it also has like both of the characters, like you really care about them, but they're also getting just so ugly mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, but you understand why. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a great movie. I think everyone should watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just on Netflix still. I'm I think they made it. Netflix makes eight million things, and like <laughs> three or four of them end up being good sometimes. Um, so everyone right. go check out Netflix and I mean, give them money. I think it was in that batch of movies that they produced somehow or bought somehow, like with the oh, Irishman. You know that came yeah. out in theaters and Netflix at the same time, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, that's a better depiction of this kind of thing than the song is, but I, I like the song pretty well. I like the song pretty well too. Yeah. Um, fighting for love on an angel's feather. Why don't y'all get your shit together? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Like, um, I don't know, very like sort of classical like metaphor and then just the, and then just going down in the, uh, to the ground the grounded <laughs> statement of why don't you get your shit together it's just mm-hmm. very lofty and then very colloquial mm-hmm. and uh yeah 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 totally. it's a cool song yeah um let's see we should uh what's sh- i mean do you think we might be able to cover all the songs do we dare try no is it worth <laughs> I don't it? Think we, it's not worth it i don't think we should okay no, uh the ones that i have notes about are pouring rain um Mighty long way, bone. I think we should talk about boning in the boneyard. We do have to talk about that. Yeah, I think we have to. Um, okay, I think the ones I really want to talk about are boning in the boneyard, subliminal fascism, um, and slow bus moving and ghetto sound wave. Okay, I I think we could talk about question of life real quick, just mostly because yeah, it's good. super fucking weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Uh huh. This is another pretty ska song. It's also just like it feels very mid nineties. Like there yeah. was a lot of music being made in like the mid to late nineties that sounded a lot like this and had I mean it's it's like kind of jam bandy, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. And and the lyrics are like straight up new age hippie jam bandy nineties patchouli kind of shit too. Uh, it opens with yeah. I saw the god spread his arms across the imperfect sky. The clouds rolled across the full moon, tattooed in the sky. For the eye tattooed in the sky judged the planet's plea, and I was just a humble man and feared God in his sight. The light. Uh, yeah. A question rose from my soul. A question I began to hold a pitchfork pinned to my chest. Will I I not pass the test? Will I I not pass the test? Uh, so pretty cosmic, uh, pretty incoherent. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sort of seems like it's like a kind of boring mushroom trip, yeah. or at least boring to be described to you. You know, yep. it's like no, no, no. It was very important to me. No, no. I tied the shoelace of life in its place uh, to change the mind from a negative state. No, you don't understand. You must present a PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah. Shit, this is like a Doctor Bronos bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly what this is. <laughs> yeah. The angel began to say to me, as the roses uh, set me free, <laughs> you must recite this throughout the land or else you will be snuffed and canned. Snuffed and canned. <laughs> snuffed and canned, I say. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, wow, uh, I was shaken. A question, shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Uh, the New Age, not the winter. The Ice Age was the last page. This is this could also be a very good um, bad slam poem, I think. Yeah, I would have to have a lot of hand motions. <laughs> exactly, to help you understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, this song is really bizarre. This is some of that like kind of you know uh, attempts at profundity that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's maybe obtuse loftiness. Yeah. Maybe the least successful on this album. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think, yeah, I think this is just, I think this is how people thought back then. (laughs) (laughs) They just thought that this was cool. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't know it wouldn't be to us today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's this, like I said, it, it, I feel like it, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about is like how influential and foundational this band is. And I feel like this is the same kind of inchoate, um, like wannabe profundity combined with upbeat, jammy music that we see in a lot of like patchouli core bands in the 90s. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what I just decided to start calling them. <laughs> okay, I, this is going to be the episode title. <laughs> Maybe I just say that because I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, which uh, is the hippie capital of the world. Yeah. In as much as uh, hippies are a white person phenomenon or a white sure. American phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, clearly Fishbone is is challenging that idea. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a hippie ass song. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you telling me that uh hippies might have ripped off a lot of their ideals and aesthetics from black people or radicals? I mean, I don't I I don't know. Uh I mean, obviously yes, but like Some of I it, don't want for sure. I don't I don't want to give to to give credit 
for this kind of idea to an entire race of people. Uh, well, I that that's be... not what I was. Okay, hang on. <laughs> uh, I don't think they want credit. I don't for think. This. Yeah, they I'm probably really don't. Like going no. out on a limb. I'm not speaking for them. It's just what I suspect. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 I think what we can all agree on is that hippies are weirdos who uh, mostly just try to appropriate in a bunch of shit they didn't really understand. I, I don't think that's controversial to say. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been thinking about this kind of thing a lot because um, I I've been thinking about you know my own journey o- away from the Christian church that I was raised in and. You know, kind of how long it took me to like finally get out of there. And I think one of the reasons that it took me so long is because I think in a way, uh, sort of white Protestant Americanism, uh, or sorry, white American Protestantism, that's what I meant to say. It's the same. <laughs> They're basically, <laughs> um, I mean, are they different? <laughs> white, white American Protestantism is sort of an ethnic identity, you know, mm. like mm-hmm. in, in this, in the sense that it has like high context rites of passage and rituals and things like that. And the, and I think it was really hard to let go of that because there was the last thing sort of tethering me to like, I don't know, some sort of sense of tradition or like ethnic sort of belonging. Yeah. <laughs> um, be, because, uh, um, yeah, because now it's like I don't have anything to replace that, and you know, like uh, I, I sort of feel like hippies, um, especially white hippies. I, I feel like what they're trying to do and what they've done historically is they're saying like, well, obviously we can't keep doing this bullshit, right? Because that fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we need to create something new. But then when they try to create something new, it doesn't have the like weight of tradition and it doesn't, you know, it hasn't uh, stood the test of time yet. And they're just like, well, no, no, it's, uh, it's automatically profound for me to say the God, you know, Mm -hmm. or like to create my own cosmology and stuff to like, yeah, we'll see, you know, (laughs) if that lasts hundreds of years and turns into something, probably not probably in like, you know, 20 or 30 years, it's going to just sound kind of trite. Mm hmm. And I'm going to laugh at you <laughs> on my podcast. Um, but I also understand the um, I understand the the instinct to try to like, well, what do I put in this place of this tradition that I decided to opt out of, you know? And that's why, you know, it's like, well, we'll either make a new one or we'll steal one from someone else because otherwise we're just going to be these wandering lonely people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um Yeah, I think the hmm, it makes me think of um uh you were in this class with me, right? Uh Bill Jolliffe's was it the Prophets and Radicals class, I think? Were you in that class? I wasn't in that class, no. Oh shit, okay. Shout out to Bill Jolliffe, our Shout out poetry professor. Bill Jolliffe. Um my American lit professor. Mm, 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 mm. oh man i should not be doing this live on air uh oh i refuse to edit this out yeah to do um there's this, this novel your fault. <laughs> uh that i'm bl- totally blanking on the name of um uh it's a countercultural novel it involves uh oh there it is okay i I've, i looked it up it's called divine rights trip by gurney norman 
Um, and it's mostly about a just like weirdo hippie stoner named Divine Wright. Okay. Uh, who's road tripping around um, America in a VW van or a VW bus rather. Um, and it it's all about, um, it was written by Gurney Norman. It came out in 1972 and it was actually serialized in the whole earth catalog. And um, a lot of it is about the counterculture and like what it means to try to be countercultural and hmm. just skipping to the end here, the, the climax of it and the resolution that the book offers is he goes back to Kentucky where he's originally from huh. and he gets a bunch of like earthworms to uh, start re um, replenishing the soil after um, uh, what's that, that style of mining called where you blast off the entire mountain uh like, strip mining uh, strip mining yeah. yeah so he like goes top removal mountaintop re- removal yeah which has only gotten worse since the 70s but he he essentially he goes back to his home and he reconnects and there's and he tries to like start healing the land um that has been so destroyed and polluted and one of the climax scenes is when all his like hippie friends come together and hang out with his like appalachian background and they start just like gelling and vibing together and they're talking about like uh you know i i like to drink ginseng tea man and like the appalachian guy's like oh yeah we go out and hunt sang all the time and they Hmm. sort of start like being able to come together in a way that um sort of like helps reconnect the countercultural movement back to um tradition and community in a way that i felt was like pretty compelling and there were definitely strains of like hippies that ended up becoming the back to the land movements and really did try to focus on um, not only being weirdo hedonists, uh, which is what I think a lot of hippies ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a lot of weird, unformed and half remembered things uh, that I have to say about that. No, I think that's valuable because, like, I think we've done a fair amount of, like, sort of hippie hate in this show because, I mean, ultimately it's this, like, boomer culture um, that we've had to uh, be confronted with, like, all the time in, in our culture. And, mm-hmm. like, we have to suffer the consequences <laughs> of their ideas, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, so, but I, I like actually getting going a little bit deeper on that on that topic i think Mm -hmm. that's worth it um okay i gotta make dinner for my family pretty soon should we should we jump to mm, bone in the boneyard sure yeah bone in in the boneyard Uh, my cheeks my <laughs> cheeks are, are red from all these slaps uh, <laughs> um yeah i so i was expecting an, an icp style uh having sex in a graveyard style song <laughs> yeah, but i was like ooh, crossover <laughs> horrorcore wow cool uh but it's not that actually turns out um 
What do you think it is? <laughs> That's a great question. I think it's just a song about getting it on. And I think they're using the word boneyard to just mean the place where you bone rather than like <laughs> the a sex literal place. The sex having The sex having venue. place. <laughs> you know, the moratorium. <laughs> um I actually ended up changing one of the lyrics in this because I think the singer sings, uh, or I mean, in the genius lyrics, I've been doing a lot of annotations lately. So Mm. go, you know, Pyong or upvote my Mm -hmm. (laughs) annotations, please. If you follow, uh, at one point he he says, Oh, got me moaning in the groan yard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He does say that. Yes. Uh, boneyard moaning in the groan yard. It's true. He does say that. Um, it's mostly just uh, got this feeling. That's literally that's all of the unique lyrics. Yeah, it's that's it. <laughs> that's them all. <laughs> got me boning. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got me. You got me boning. <laughs> Is it a song about literally just having an erection? Uh, when he, when they say boning and they say you got me boning, does that mean having sex or does it mean just having a boner? And also, you know? why didn't they say boner yard? <laughs> uh. You know, it's hard to say. Um, why can't it be both? That's, no girl meme. That's a why good not point. Both? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me just uh, let me just uh, read from Wikipedia here. Guitarist Kendall Jones was becoming concerned that the band's image was quote cartoonish, and reviews of their previous <laughs> album had in fact criticized the attempt at socially conscious subject matter oh, alongside shit. other absurd frat rock songs. Um, so it's a good thing they changed that for this album. This. I think this is a beautiful and profound song about uh-huh. about having a, an engorged genital. <laughs> oh, God. Genital is one of those words that you don't like to hear in the singular. A genital. A genital. <laughs> Yikes. One of them. One one genital, please. Yeah. Uh, all right. I don't have anything else to say about this Yeah, song. I mean, that's We heard the slaps. We read all the lyrics yep. in like two seconds. Yep. Apparently, it's sampled in a Red Hot Chili Peppers song called Good Time Boys. I didn't even know they sampled things. I didn't know either. Uh, If we had more time, I might try to look it up live on air. um, Well, we don't. We don't. (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, You want to talk about subliminal fascism? Yeah. Yeah. Is he saying something hippie? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it, that part is not on the genius. No. Um, maybe I'll see if there's another source for the lyrics. This sort of feels like a me- like a metal song, like a speed metal song. Yeah, it totally feels like Slayer or, um, yeah. again, like something from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't really know what this song is about. Other than the title says it's a says it's about subliminal fascism. Yeah. Um, mm. um don't listen to them when they say follow the rules and forget the bomb. Communistical patriotic. Are you I, saying that's bad or good? I don't know. <laughs> I, well uh the plan is subtle, but it's in the open. Kingpin's Nazi scheme getting under your skin, so you better wake up US. Um I mean that that is 
relatable. <laughs> <laughs> that line. Yes. This week. Yep. Um, this year. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, the bad gets worse, too fucked up, and the hate grows more each day. So when the infected try to effect you, don't listen to them when they say, follow the rules and forget the bomb. Communistical patriotic. Um, yeah, this is like, I don't know. The, it has it suffers a bit from the Slayer problem of just throwing in super long, multi-syllable words uh, as if they mean something, like when you say communistical in, patriotic. Yeah, in, improper like sentences. Yeah, to, sentence like, fragments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I If I were to try to offer an interpretation of the song, I would, it seems to be them pointing out that the problems of the US are um subliminally fascist fascistic Mm. um i would say that a lot of american history um has been overtly fascist fascistic um so but i i think that uh yeah at this time period 1988 um they are pointing out um the problems that are happening and how a lot of that can be uh uh construed to be um due to the like fascist undercurrents of american society right um so i guess like s- subliminal means how it's received not what it is like inherently you know so it's like right what's liminal for someone is subliminal for someone else right exactly so yeah um super liminal super yeah i mean got someone's got to make that joke it, obviously these, da- these days these days yeah, and maybe maybe I'm just primed to be feeling that way after um, uh, there was a fascist coup in our country um, this past week. But you know, yep. we're all products of our environment. Yeah, when uh, you know when the 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 thin blue lives matter, the th- the thin blue lives fuck the thin <laughs> blue line people, fat fat, fat cops <laughs> don't deserve life, is what they say. Only those fit hot cops. Um, <laughs> when the when the thin blue line people uh, beat a cop to death with a fire extinguisher, pipes, and an, an American, American flag. Flag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was some cognitive dissonance for me. Hmm. Um. Well, speaking speaking of uh, talking about the issues, keeping it funky. Maybe we should talk about slow bus moving. I think that's maybe a slightly more effective song. Yeah. Let's check it out. Born in the 1940s, my parents couldn't hope. Ensign King was on the march for power true. Black power, that is. Panthers and their attitudes were best new business suits. It's not really a song <laughs> yeah it's sort of a it's it's it almost reminds me of like a cowboy poet <laughs> like in terms oh, yeah, of like yeah. the music or uh i guess like talk and blues as sure, another sure. like antecedent um it's it's basically a spoken word piece over that music you know yeah over cowboy music um yeah and it's it's all about uh civil rights um at least the big the first half is yeah um slow bus moving are those lyrics actually in or 
it's he does say is the title in the lyrics not quite it does say round and around and around they go the bus is going mighty slow brothers there in the backseat cocks in the front i like how they refer to caucasians as cocks uh if you <laughs> believe like, the genius yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Hmm? i feel like this is just talking about like how slow how slow progress is sort of by design um and then and then they sort of speak in an interesting way about integration about how harmful it is at least in the short term Mm -hmm. um uh i should read their words right (laughs) and then maybe we could discuss that because i don't want that taken out of context of me saying that uh they say well the overlords thought it would be a good deed to mix the black with the white but if you're a fly in the buttermilk they'll chase you all through the night so go ahead and burn your cross and rape our women in the night because the day will come when your cream-coated daughter is going to be my wife that that line really rubs me the wrong way yeah but, because I mean, it, it feels patriarchal in both directions. Yep. And uh, it's, yeah. And saying like your cream coated daughter. Uh, like, yeah, that's. Feels. Yeah. I mean, they're saying is going to be my wife, which I feel like kind of maybe saves it, but it feels like, cause we're going to rape your women. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's almost how it feels. Um, and maybe they're playing on the idea that like two, two white men, any sexual interactions between, white women and black and black men they assume is rape or coercive um historically and today you know mm-hmm. but uh it's still it's a very uncomfortable <laughs> yes. uncomfortable lyric the way that uh um the way that they're talking about women mm-hmm. as being sort of pawns in this in this race war you know yeah as, as if they as if they weren't you know the queens right exactly um, and yeah it, yeah i mean this is not my um criticism to make but there have they, yeah there have been many many black women who were uh in many ways unsung in the civil rights movement um compared to their contributions and um some of the leaders like uh stokely carmichael said that the there is a position for women in I forget which organization he's talking about. And he said the position is prone. Like he was like pretty, uh, pretty sexist. Um, Oh no. So yeah, that sucks. Yeah. 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 Which isn't to say that there weren't, you know, like a lot of black women doing amazing work and in power, but maybe in some situations it was like sort of despite and not like specifically invited. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Ooh boy! Um, yeah, I, I, I like that they say should... the Mayo men in <laughs> referring, Mayo men. reference to white people. <laughs> the Mayo men <laughs> used fire hoses. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, um, yeah, I, I it, you know, it gives a bad name to a, a perfectly good condiment, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's I a agree. controversial co- condiment, but I, I, like I mean, it. it's controversial. I, it's good. It's just it's a little spicy for me. <laughs> Can we tone it down? Yeah. Um, I, I the other thing I was going to say is that uh, this, but the buses were going mighty slow, and the song is called "Slow Bus Moving." Um, I'm, it the it says in parentheses Howard Beach Party. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, no, but in, are are they by any chance talking about the HBU Howard University somehow? I was looking up to see if like maybe they went to Howard or something. Oh, that was the only kind of association I could kind of make, but. 
Yeah. This feels like a stretch oh. to me. Apparently, there is a neighborhood in Queens called Howard Beach. Oh, okay, um, there you go. Says that the area consists mostly of low-rise single-family houses. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, so I was absolutely wrong. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Um, there's more than one Howard, I think, in the world. Um, uh, Howard the, Dean <laughs> and his scream, for instance. Yeah, yeah! exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the main one, I think. Uh, the historical Howard. Um, yeah, the thing I was going to say is, like, I, I know that there is a famous... MLK quote about slowness and how people keep urging um, radicals or agitators or protesters or civil rights movement to go slow and pursue a strategy of incrementalism. I know there's a famous quote about that. I couldn't find it in 30 seconds of Google searching. Um, But I think that's maybe what they're getting at with this whole slow bus thing. Um, Right. Because buses were super important in the civil rights movement. And it seems like they're saying that the bus's progress has been too slow. Uh, and they specifically say brothers in the backseat, cocks in the front. So that's like specifically re- referencing like having to sit at the back of the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish yeah, it was a our, little Our clearer. next president was in, in favor of uh, segregated busing for kids. Yeah. Uh, but the, back uh, in the day. Back, oh, definitely back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. He's not very anymore. woke now. Yeah. He's... Um, he he gets to tell black people whether or not they they're black, which is mm-hmm. is so great, and I'm so glad he's an empowered as a white person to do that. Yeah. Um. And the good thing is he's going to fix everything, and all of our problems will go away, and we won't have to worry about fascism anymore. So that's going to be good. We can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I don't think he's going to end the world out of spite. At least. <laughs> so, yeah. Probably not. Uh, my bar is pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I he's probably not gonna call up a general at 2 a.m and order him to nuke uh new york city or portland or something so yeah that's good. in the next 10 days yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Shit. hang in there folks hang in there we'll get through this yeah um, hopefully hopefully yeah is the do we gotta go is that it yeah, I I, get, I guess I just want to say real quick, I think Ghetto Soundwave is a pretty good and effective and simple song um, about marginalized people um, being being oppressed and politicians not giving a shit, speaking of all of what we were just saying. Um, maybe you could just play the sound sample of it, and then we could close it up. Yeah. Oh, I'm just playing your sound sample, which is the horn. Oh, this is great. Yeah, okay. that horn part's awesome. You should play that. Okay. That's my favorite part of the song. Hmm. It's very tense. Yep. And then it changes. It's really cool. Yeah. That's a fun horn line. Very dissonant. And then you think it's going to repeat and then it doesn't. Yeah. That's the the first time the second phrase goes, but then it doesn't do that the second time. Mm -hmm. That's, it's definitely like you could, you could hear easily hear a less discordant version of that being used as in a very popular song from the mid nineties. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably, uh, be closing up shop. 
Um, we'll be back next week with uh, Fishbone's next album, Set the Booty Upright. Oh, oh no, wait. Fuck, that's an EP. Whoops. Uh, the next I mean, one is... Should we cover that? That sounds maybe. good as hell. It does sound good. <laughs> that sounds like it would get me boning. The, yeah, in the, in the moan yard. Um, the next full-length album is The Reality of My Surroundings. Ah, that sounds yeah. not as sexy. Not as sexy. Unless the reality of your surroundings is the boneyard. Or the booty upright. <laughs> 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 I'm just imagining it like in terms of spatial orientation. It's upright now. <laughs> <laughs> upright I'm, booty brigade. <laughs> upright booty brigade. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, until next week, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at, uh, at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Um, go on the iTunes, write us a review, jam those stars buttons. That's good. Go, uh, on tell, it. go on it. Do it. Do at it. Uh, tell all your friends and family about us and tell them to listen to the show. Don't spare a single one of them. Every single person you know. In fact, I want you to get out your phone. Just go through your contacts list. Um, just call everyone up. You know, in these times, in these, in these, in these uh, trying times, we need to reach out uh, to our loved ones and check in on them and make sure they're okay and tell them about a podcast that they should be listening to that they're not listening to yet, which is us. And and go ahead and do that. And that's that's self care and community care also. Now that George is taken care of, I think all that phone baking and like energy should just kind of go to spreading the word about. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're next set, in line. Whether or not you should think outside it. Yeah, I, th- I think we should borrow Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign slogan, it's our turn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she said that. Pokemon Go, give us five stars in a review in a <laughs> exactly. <Apple> podcast. <laughs> also, Pokemon Go to the Patreon at support.boxset.website. Um, you can also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool, and it is about and is traditional acoustic musics. Yeah, uh, I got, um, you know, I, I have a um, fr- friend of the show, Albin Ekman, um, are probably our most prominent Swedish listener. Uh, probably. The most engaged. Um, <laughs> That's some stiff competition, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his bandmate, uh, Alicia Jardine, um, is a wonderful banjo player, and her episode's coming up. Uh, this next Wednesday, and we we play a bunch of um, Swedish banjo like uh, banjo tunes. Uh, we play Swedish tunes on the banjo together and stuff, and it's super fun. And then we do yeah. some old time stuff as well. And there's also some queer reframing of old time music and some, some sapphic uh, old time ballads, and Ooh. it's it's great. Uh, so you gotta go get it. It's gonna be fun. And she's Sappho's a great. Delight. Yeah. <laughs> I like Sappho. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Everyone go check that out. Yeah, it's going to be yep. a hoot. All right. Well, until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and try, try, try to understand I'm a Mayo man. I'm a Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to go get stuffed and canned in that order. <laughs> Wait, what is that from? <laughs> That's from this album. It is? Stuffed and canned. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I think that should be the new Think Outside the Box Set theme. <laughs> that would be a good hey, theme. Hey, welcome to Think Outside the Box Set, all <laughs> you sexy people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh is there a is there a more porny uh song <laughs> built into this soundboard though is the question Ooh, that sounds a bit holy is shit that, is that pornier how about this one? Oh no it's a little too serious yeah this one's way pornier i mean yeah i'm hard as a rock <laughs> do another one <laughs> Oh, I'm just like so into this right now. All right. I uh, want to talk to you all about time signatures and polyrhythms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, here's one that really gets me hard every time I hear it. <laughs> it's so short. <laughs> How about. <laughs> Every porn video should start with a big gong going off for no reason. 